Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Musto, and welcome back to another episode of Siemens Startups, a podcast series where we speak with entrepreneurs to gain insight on how they turn their innovative dreams into successful companies. Today, we are speaking to a new company with a unique solution to a very challenging issue. We have Robert Sladen, who is the CEO of ZuluPods, along with Daniela Sladen, the CTO for ZuluPods. They are husband and wife uh, team, and it'd be interesting to speak with them. Hello, Robert and Daniela. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. As a person who oversees our startup partnerships, I have to say this was one of the more intriguing ones and companies that I've come across. But before we jump in, please introduce yourselves and uh, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. She's pointing at me to go first. So, uh, <laughs> hi, Paul. Thank you so much for uh, giving us this platform. We're really excited to be here. I've spent uh, much of my, actually, my whole career in aerospace, about 14 years coming out of college working in with Pratt Whitney. And so uh, aerospace is kind of all I've known, and uh, we'll get into it a little bit, but uh, excited to be leading, carrying the torch for ZuluPods as we go and disrupt aerospace. I am Daniela Sladen, the CTO. My background is also in aerospace engineering. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate you uh, joining us today and, and speaking with our audience. So I love reading mission statements. I always find them interesting and intriguing, especially for startup companies. So I read yours and says, we are, we are comprised of engineers, entrepreneurs, and innovators. It's hard to describe what's never been done before. We create simple solutions to the most complex aerospace problems. So knowing a little bit about your company, a very fitting mission statement. And I think it's kind of an understatement to say that uh, it's a very complex issue and it's a, at least on the surface looks like a simple solution. So maybe you can walk through, explain what it is that you've developed and the application for it. So we make simplified lubrication systems and mechanical systems for jet engines. How do we do that? We think that this concept of packaged oil similar to like a Tide Pod that activates when it's needed to be activated, just like, like a Tide Pod. And we do that through some mechanical means. We know that greatly simplifies the lubrication system design for engines that are small, engines that only have a one-time use, um, not the typical engines we're used to flying. So we think the Tide Pod for the jet engine is a fitting uh, not only to uh, give people the imagery but is a um, truly allows engines to be simpler. And our value proposition then is that we can save the end user, the end customer cost. There's a lot of attention being paid to cost for these simple one-time use jet engines. Totally hysterical that you use this, the analogy of a Tide Pod, because when I looked at the website and I looked at the application, I'm like, huh, it kind of reminds me of a Tide Pod. Then we'll expect Rob Gronkowski to, to do commercials for you guys then at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can just, uh, I'll jump in there. I mean, the, the Tide Pod, we have different ways to activate our system. But our product lines, we believe, will expand outside of just what I kind of described, this idea of a primary lubrication system. We think that having something that is heat activated in an engine, something like a plastic shell you could imagine, will enable us to create simplified emergency oil reserve systems. It's a very hard engineering problem to solve. We think we can solve it through this technology. And that could be quite a big deal when it comes to saving people's lives, actually, if there's any type of a, a catastrophic failure, but also saving very heavy equipment, costly equipment, costly transmissions. 
you know, the Tide Pod really works there when you think about something that's a uh, more of a polymer shell that explodes at some point via heat. Yeah, and you know, I was looking at it. Uh, it's, it's just for our audience who visually can't see it maybe right now, but when I look at it, it looks almost like a ball bearing pack. Uh, and I, I believe the small modules or nodules in the device itself are filled with oil, right? And so, how big are they actually? They're fairly small in size, right? Yeah. So our prototype was was it one and a half inches, maybe in diameter? Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah. Our first prototype. Our first prototype. I probably butchered the explanation, but uh, was my explanation kind of on, on point? Yeah, it really does look like a Typhon. So I'll use the analogy. It looks like, a, yeah, almost like a, a marble encased. Yeah, that's our first prototype. We mm-hmm. kind of since developed into some other other designs that we're working to bring to the market. But the Typhon for the jet engine will always be our foundational day one analogy. prototype mm-hmm. and analogy, no matter you know where we move to in the future. So how is it achieved today? How do they how do they lubricate these engines today? So today they have a tank on the outside casing with various tubes and manifolds, nozzles, some tubes that go through inside the core that have to go through struts and it's just really complicated bulky geometries that you have to design for to allow these tubes to to be able to passage through to get the oil to where it needs to be in the center. And yeah, I mean, it's, I've worked on, on the internals of those engines and the core and the lubrication on the outside with the plumbing and, and the tubes. And there's just so much you have to think about down to, you know, angles. Can it be made? Can the person put it together in the sequence and the assembly? So I, I think this is just such a simple answer to a, to a hard problem. Yeah, and, and I thought I could just add a little bit there. I, I think Danielle, uh, I love how Danielle describes that because it, it, you can imagine the spider web almost of things going on. But, you know, what, what we've done is we've said, what if we can start the lubrication closer to where its end uses? And we use the jet engine's main rotor shaft as our tank and our pump. And so we have said, what if we can give that part another job and make it work overtime. By doing that, we don't have to, as we take away pieces, we don't have to add the same pieces and just have them optimized. Let's call it smaller or lighter. So that's a big part of our special sauce, which is existing parts, making them work overtime. Yeah. So it's actually put on the rotor inside the engine. And I, from what I understand, it uses centrifugal force to disperse the lubricant when it's needed. Yeah, you, you got it. You nailed it. It mm-hmm. goes inside the rotor, the main rotor. Think of like sliding a pod or popping a pod in there, let's call it. And then it's consumed when the engine runs. And a lot of these, our first targets are one-time use engines. So it, it runs once and it can may only run for a half an hour, 45 minutes. And so really only needs a little bit of, of oil. And so it's consumed. And uh, the engine also is... Um, consumed as well. There are applications where we think, again, it's kind of like this Tide Pod idea. If you want to, if you want to run your engine and you want to do some testing, for example, once you consume our pod, you can pop another one in. Uh, getting to the center of a shaft in an engine is, is very is fairly accessible. So, you know, we're thinking about our customers with how we're designing our product and where we're putting it in the engine. So they're good for a single flight use? Correct. Yeah. They're, they're good for a, a time amount, let's say, or a single flight use. 
that's again a lot of the target our target market early on of these one-time use engines so they don't you know land and come back for example so they don't need you know a lot of oil let's say they don't need something to work you know, over and over again we say a lot of times if your mm-hmm. car was only designed to go one mile how it would be designed under the hood would look very different than how your car is designed today and that's some of the inspiration behind like a design philosophy our, yeah it's a it's a good way to put it Daniela mm-hmm. puts it well that's you know that's how we think about our design philosophy and how did you come up with the concept it's like such a fun, tricky, funny question because um, so Rob and I have always been immersed in, in the world of engineering and, you know, people say, oh, my gosh, how can you work with your husband? But that's all we've ever known. You know, we met when when I was an intern, actually, and I remember him being somebody who actually took the time to explain things to me. And I'll never forget that he helped me read like my first cross section. He actually brought a physical hardware part by my desk and actually translate it to what it would look like in a 2D paper cross-section, with, which sounds sounds easy, but it can actually get pretty complicated. So he just made it really easy to understand. And from there, we've always had like this like open dialogue of being able to talk about work-related things, engineering, physics. It's just what we talk about all the time, <laughs> a lot of the time. And I'll never forget, like, you know, it was kind of during COVID and you know, again, like we would just have conversations about different products and things I was working on. And Daniela was kind of tinkering around with CAD and came up with uh, really our our patent, our first patent. That's how Zulu Pods was, was born. It was born out of Daniela's ability, you know, to be such a creative, aesthetically, you know, pleasing designer and uh, had a little extra time on her hands. Yeah, so it's a combination, I think, the dinner conversations and um, her creativity. I always find it very fascinating to understand how people, typically most people work from industry and then they come out and they start their own company. And it's always interesting to learn how they kind of came up with a concept and an idea. But I'm also very curious to hear, so how did you decide who was going to be the, the CTO and who was going to be the CEO? Was that, uh, was that a debate or was it a coin flip? <laughs> uh, for me, when I joined the company, I've always been in leadership roles in engineering. I personally believe, and I think we both believe that, you know, you want to build a team and put people in the right places for, for their competencies. That's how you, that's how you're successful, no matter what stages you are in a company, right? You put the right people in the, in, in the place and then they, you trust them to do their job. So I, I think from a pure leadership standpoint, not that Danielle couldn't do it, but She's just a brilliant CTO. I mean, she's, she understands how to not only design products and the physics, but a big part of being a CTO, too, is understanding the software and the tools that you want to give your engineers to be able to build beautiful products. And it's just right up her wheelhouse. That's amazing. One, is a great compliment to you, Daniela. But two, I've heard from other startups too. You know, we mentioned uh, one of the other podcasts we did with Elevate and uh, Kelly McGee spoke uh, eloquently about designing beautiful products. So that seems to be a theme, I think, with many startup companies. And not only do they are they developing very functional products for very complex challenges, but aesthetics has become a big part of it. I mean, was that one of the reasons around choosing NX? Was there anything particular there with Siemens NX that resonated in being able to achieve that? Designing something and, and modeling, I feel like there's there's such an art to it. There's so much creativity that, that goes into it. So I feel like 
it is like an artistic thing. And you do want things to, to look aesthetically nice. I think that's also another one of our design philosophies. NX is something that I've, I was familiar with. You know, it's like the industry standard. So I think it was a no-brainer for us to go with NX. Yeah, that's good. And actually, not only is the product beautiful, but the website actually is, is quite nice uh, as well. So whoever Thank did you. it, kudos to whoever developed that, that website. So. <laughs> All <in your. laughs> so actually, just going back to the product a little bit, because I could imagine that uh, an application like this, there's lots of challenges. One, there's manufacturing. Two, I, you know, you're going to be putting it into airplane engines, right? So, or, or you know, aerospace or aero applications. Can you talk to a little bit about what you had to do to overcome some of the challenges in getting that to happen? Sure. Yeah. You know, where we're at in our company life cycle is we're moving away from, you know, I'll say a prototype and starting to develop more of a product, right? Our detailed design of our product and a product that we'll start doing testing with and you're hitting on all the things that you know we're we're doing right now you know so which is making our parts we're actually going to 3d print the parts that we'll start testing which you know we'll then be able to bring to market after we validate the, the hardware so we're manufacturing hardware right now and then we'll 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 start testing and bringing our technology through the right technology readiness levels is what it's called in this space we have to validate that our parts work with our system we're replacing and I'll say the system that we're delivering oil to. And we'll do that through some, what we call rigs and rig testing. And when we do that, we'll make sure that the rigs and the parameters that govern that hardware mimic what goes on in an engine. And then once we get through that, then we have confidence that, hey, this works, right? We've mimicked this on the ground. And in mechanical systems, that's sufficient. You don't have to do something like flight testing. And so that's how we'll get that confidence. But that's a, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a great question. And um, it does take a little bit of time in, in the aerospace world to do that. But we're, we're well on our way. Well, even to get companies to trust an application like this over the kind of tried and true, right? I mean, that's always a challenge of new innovation, right? Is how do you break through the tried and true and, and the stuff that people knows, know, or even though your, your solution might be a far better solution, more efficient, cheaper, you kind of got to make that leap and get people to see the, the benefits, right? hundred percent. And, you know, I think that's a big part of what I just said there is we have to show that apples to apples, you know, our system is better, right? And, and at the better in terms of the value propositions we bring, but also that it performs actually better. We believe that our system will not only save cost and weight, but will actually make a better performance system than the tried and true. So better performing, statistical confidence around that, extremely important in the customer education process so that they feel comfortable right, with what we're doing and that the engineers feel like we feel. Exactly. I, you know, and just speaking in general, I think the other challenge that many startup companies, entrepreneurs, innovations, innovators have is getting doors open where they can have the discussion where people would even give them the time of day to, to speak about what they're doing and, and the application it's, it's for. Have you run into that or have you been able to have doors open where you've been able to speak to the right people and the right companies to break through some of that barrier? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been... I mean, so fortunate with our team, as well as the people that we've worked with, the connections that we've made, just it's crazy how it's all actually fallen into place. 
I mean, I, I think it's through people that we've worked with and, and people who you know and those network of connections that have really opened the door for us of people who give us the time of day to talk to. I think, you know, it's, it's our, you know, the team has done a tremendous job of pushing appropriately, putting pressure on everybody to make sure that they're reaching out and using their network. And so we built a fantastic advisory board with industry experts, really the titans of industry in the space we're in that believe in us and are helping us bring the product to market. And that'll help open up doors. And then we have been very active in terms of sharing what we're doing through like SBIR type proposals. And out of that, the U.S. Air Force um, has reached out to us and we're going to be sharing what we're doing with them in the month of October. We also are partnered with a company called Wedevin Associates. I believe Vern Wedevin is the godfather of tribology. Mm-hmm. And that's the space we're in. And so we've been very fortunate to partner up with them. And so they have, you know, they're a very, they're a brand name in the industry. And so, you know, together we're going to go disrupt oil systems. That's fantastic. And congratulations on all of that. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Again, I've spoken to so many people in in this kind of the same stage that you're in. And that's a big challenge, right? Is to open up those conversations, open up that dialogue with the right people at the right places. So uh, congratulations on that. Okay, shifting gears a little bit on the, you know, Siemens, uh, you've chosen Siemens to kind of help get things moving along. Maybe you could speak a little bit on what brought you to Siemens and how are the products uh, stacking up for you? Yeah, so like I said, it's it's something that we've all been familiar with, something that I've I've worked with in designing models, designing CAD models, industry standards. So we went with what we knew. Also, it's like you don't want to really get another software and have like a learning curve and, and have to relearn it all over again. I feel like um, NX is easy to use, industry standard. So that's what we went with. I think the other big reason of going with Siemens is because as we bring on more engineering talent, which we're starting to have some of those conversations now, I mean, that's what they're used to too, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's tried and true. Like we've talked about, you know, we believe that it'll allow us to create beautiful designs that function extremely well. And I'm really pleased that you've been able to take advantage of the startup program and, and the pricing there that, we, that we've been offering. So, so for companies like yourselves, it's really great to see. Shifting gears, a big part of these sessions, I'd like to talk to you about what kind of advice or insights would you have for other entrepreneurs out there looking to start their own company? And, and I appreciate you guys being so open and about your own experiences and kind of how you got to where you were. But are there anything that, you know, that you've learned along the way, any insights or words of wisdom, secret sauce that you'd like to share with our audience on what helped you out? I'll start. Uh, it's funny because we're doing this together in the same room. So we're pointing back and forth. Over here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, starting a company is, is uh, you know, people say it's hard and it's definitely hard. The number one thing that, you know, I always I, I try to keep things really simple. It's gets too complicated. I can't handle it if it's more than, more than a few things. So the first thing we always think about internally is the team. Like the team is, is the most important. And so making sure that early on you start creating the right culture, that you have a, a, a lot of transparency, you have good communication, and then you're finding people that have amazing skill sets, you know, mm-hmm. that you will need to bring a product to life. So constantly nurturing the team and thinking about where you have gaps and how you can fill those gaps and just being even resourceful with filling those gaps. You know, sometimes you may need to do something for a month and it 
So who, who, who can you find that can help you, even your family? So the team, thinking about the team, nurturing the team, and then the product. You know, the product has to be number two and concentrating on, on the product and bringing the product to life. And those sound simple, but when you're a startup, it's easy to start being unable to filter the noise, right? You have constantly, you have investors that are asking, where are you at? You know, what's, you know, what's your pro forma? Um, when are you going to get the revenue? And so it's easy to get lost in some of those things. And so that's why we try to always think about the team and the product. So I would, my advice would be keep things simple and then be relentless. You know, you, you just have to be relentless. You have to wake up every day and think about what are the things you're going to accomplish today. And if you keep doing that, and you're relentless, you know, those little wins become huge wins. Yeah, they may sound simple, but definitely I think in practice and, and getting a company off the ground and where you where you have it today is it's not simple. But so that's fantastic insight. So so fun to um be able to do it with my husband because we always get to talk about it. Like we can always just bounce ideas back and forth and even though it is I mean, obviously everyone says it's tough, it is tough, but it's also fun. And exciting because it's something that's your own and you get to decide how you want it to look like. So that's that's been like the fun part for me. You're doing that with the team too. And you're doing that all together with this team of mm-hmm. people that all believe in each other and are just brilliant. You know, at least for us, we have brilliant people, you know, that have committed large amounts of time to what we're doing because they believe that we're solving a real problem and that we're gonna we're gonna produce these beautiful products and, and at the same time build a, a beautiful place to work, a fun place to work, an aesthetically pleasing place to work when you walk in every day. No, that's fabulous. I, I <laughs> And it's inspirational. I mean, that's kind of what you want. I mean, you have a passion for what you're doing and, and you have a true belief. And I think that's, you know, also another big element that I've heard from other people. It's just keeping that passion drive to overcome some of these challenges that, that you're obviously going to hit, you know, in starting a new company, in your case, you're of an, an entirely new approach to something that's been done before, right? It takes a lot of perseverance, I guess, and, and, and drive to, to push through. So uh, again, I just say congratulations, just amazing. So what are the future goals for Zulu Pods? I, I could probably take a guess, but you know, why don't you say what are the next steps in terms of where you see the progression for Zulu Pods? This is a good question. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I love good, this question. <laughs> it's a good question, and uh, keeps my hamster wheel spinning for sure, along with everyone else. <laughs> but um, you know, what I would say is for us, I look at the jet engine as a as a box, you know, that produces thrust, and so there's certain places in the jet engine that, as you know, advanced of a design it is that are somewhat overlooked because they're not as maybe cool as, as things like a turbine or a, a combustor. And that really is mechanical systems, bearings and seals and the lubrication system. And so we look at ourselves as a, a company that can simplify those parts, create more efficient products and designs around the integration of lubrication and mechanical systems. So we see ourselves playing in that space that is somewhat of a niche. And so we believe that after something like the Z-Pod that we bring to the market, we'll continue to create products in that space that improve that system efficiency for not just one-time use engines, but for more traditional jet engines, both on the commercial world and the defense side of things. 
we see us being able to do that through creating more of a, I'll say a digital engine in those areas uh, through the use of additive manufacturing. And so we look at ourselves as this, we're, we're, in, we're in this very interesting time in American manufacturing where additive brings features or brings things to the forefront that were never possible or not as easy with traditional manufacturing. So harnessing that, thinking about this idea to push to a more digital engine and doing more simulations versus maybe physical testing, it gives us a very, uh, we can go harness that, right? It's actually sometimes easier to start anew versus trying to look at a company and have them transform. And so when I say, you know, we, we think we can be the world's leaders around the integration of lubrication and mechanical system designs in a jet engine, there's no hyperbole there. We really believe that we'll get there one day. Fantastic. That's amazing. So there's so much there, too, in terms of I, I think that's really insightful around the additive manufacturing and how that kind of changes the dimension and the perspective of being able to bring some of these products to market and, and develop them in the early stages. Then. You talked about digitalization. If you looked at your application, you would not think right out of the gate that there would be a, a great need for digitalization. But again, we're finding more and more companies that just understand that, that the value and benefit of digitalizing everything they're doing and being able to bring simulation and test into the design process earlier and upfront, and then being able to use additive manufacturing for prototyping and stuff like that. It's just kind of enables you to do um, get you know to productization uh, much quicker, right, than in past years, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you said that extremely well. All of the, I mean, there's nothing to even add on there. That's that's our vision, and that's what some of these tools are are going to allow companies to do. And, uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. That's not just our vision. That's that's the much of the vision around the rest of the aerospace world, too. Fantastic. I don't even know where to go from there. So I think we'll probably <laughs> brings us towards the end of our, our time here. Rob, Daniel, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate it. It's just amazing, fascinating, wonderful to get to meet the folks like yourself and to hear your story. I don't know if do you have any parting words for our audience uh, before we sign off. I did want to add something when you asked uh, Rob for some advice. It would just be that it's never like too late to to think about starting something, starting a company, even if, you know, usually you see people that start companies, they're younger, they're just getting out of college. But even as somebody who has been already in, in the working world, who has two kids, even though they're young and crazy, like you, you can still do it like with the right team, with the right tools, the right resources. It's possible. And it's hard, but it's fun. I would just say thanks to, uh, you know, thank you to Seema's team here. We appreciate you guys having us on and letting us babble here for a bit. <laughs> we hope that, you know, if nothing else, people listen to the story and uh, get inspired in some way, shape, or form. And if someone does that, then we've left a nice mark. I'm sure for anybody who's, listening, who's going to listen to this podcast, uh, they'll get a lot from it. There's a lot there and, and, and a lot to draw from, right? Uh, you're a married couple, you have children. There's, I think Danielle said it perfectly. It's just, there are many challenges that you guys have dealt with. And then you have the company and the technology and the application that you're developing is just incredible. So again, I appreciate it. For people listening to learn more, go to zulupods.com for more information. Once again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to today's podcast. 
It's been an extreme uh, pleasure speaking with another amazing startup company. And at Siemens, we understand that getting a startup off the ground is not an easy endeavor, and it's incredibly challenging. Siemens is offering special packaging and pricing for startup companies on nearly all aspects of our software portfolio. And to learn more, visit us at www.siemens.com slash software for startups. This is Paul Musto, and thank you for listening to our Siemens Startup Podcast. Please provide comments on this episode by leaving a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can email me directly at paul.musto at siemens.com. And remember, innovation has no boundaries. Thank you. Bye-bye.